Hello, are we on the air yet? Welcome to the Core Performance Podcast, taking you one step closer to self-mastery on and off the course. Fire up that growth mindset, and let's dive into the core of elite golf and human performance. Now, here's your hosts, Ian Highfield and Andrew Losey. Hello, core performance podcasters and high performers everywhere. I'm your host, Ian Highfield, and on today's show, uh, we have a podcast uh, that we recorded with um, two of our partners uh, and friends from within the golf industry. They are Mass Golf, uh, and they are the First Tee Organization. When we sat down uh, and hit the record button on this podcast, we had no idea where it was going to go, but we ended up talking about all things golf, uh, about how the game of golf ties into the game of life, and just how important junior sport can be uh, in contributing to society and beyond. So we didn't really know where it was going to go, and Honestly, it turned out to be one of the most enjoyable, one of the most motivating and inspirational podcasts uh, that we've filmed yet. So sit back, relax, uh, listen to myself, Andrew and Mike have great discussions with Jesse from Mass Golf and Kyle from The First Tee. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Kyle. How are you? Doing great, Ian. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, doing well. Appreciate it. Awesome. Well, obviously, we're here at TPC Boston, a beautiful building, beautiful golf course. Uh, And the goal of this podcast, just to find out a little bit more about mass golf, what you've been doing since golf exploded, Uh, probably ask you a few questions about your awesome social media uh, and maybe your plans for this year. Uh, And then, Kyle, to you, we want to find out a little bit more about the, the first tee, um, what your plans are for the year and uh, any way that coaches can reach out and join the First Tee organization and, and just just deeper understanding of what you guys do. So, Jesse, why don't you fire off, introduce yourself and talk a little bit about, about Mass Golf. Excellent. Well, again, thanks for this opportunity and welcome to Golf House here in Norton. Uh, my name is Jesse Menachem. I'm the executive director of Mass Golf. I've uh, been with the organization for quite a long time, just about 15 years. Uh, started off as an intern Uh, Worked as our championship director for about six years, and this is year nine as executive director. But um, really, it's a special organization. It's changed a lot um, in the last five to ten years, I would say. But more so recently, uh, back in 2018, we merged with the Women's Golf Association of Massachusetts and took advantage of that opportunity to rebrand and kind of reimagine the the organization, how we want to serve our clubs, our golfers, Uh, really the golf ecosystem within the state. So being the state and regional golf association here in Massachusetts, we've got 360 member clubs. We have over 100,000 individual golfers by way of our handicapping system. We run a plethora of events, whether you're the elite amateur competitive golfer or someone who competes in the Mass Open, maybe a mini tour player or a local pro. Uh, But we also have events that range for juniors, seniors, uh, you know, new golfers, play day type golfers, um, and in addition to that, we're, we're a charity. We're a 501c3, so we're very much supportive and engaged with junior golf activities. Uh, you'll hear from Kyle in a little bit, but 
Uh, the First Tee of Massachusetts has really been our charitable arm uh, since our, our existence here. And uh, most more so recently, we added a program called Youth on Course, which we can talk more about. Awesome. So can I ask you a little bit about the, the rebrand? What, what was the reason for the rebrand? And then uh, I, I see your guys' social media. It's cool. It's fun. I'm assuming that was maybe part of, of the rebrand. So why don't we talk a little bit about the rebrand and maybe where golf was, where it is now, and, and where we think it's going? Yeah, all great questions. And again, a lot of this had to, to play into the, the year of 2018 and merging with the Women's Association of Mass. We felt it was that time, you know, formerly we were known as the MGA, Massachusetts Golf Association. A lot of folks in and around the community felt that stood for Men's Golf Association. But the reality is we're a golf association to serve all golfers, men, women, any age, uh, what have you there. So we felt it was our obligation to, to really think differently and try to really showcase this community uh, in a way that would be all-inclusive for anybody. So. Uh, we worked extremely hard and, and rather quickly back in, in late 2017 with a third party uh, consultant and felt Mass Golf was, was absolutely the right fit. And the brand tied into that as well. You know, we need to be, we need to have a refreshed look and feel. Uh, we really wanted to serve all golfers, no matter what level of, of engagement they have with the game. Uh, and that speaks to our social channels and the way we communicate. And, you know, yes, we're a very serious organization in ways, but you know, golf is supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be engaging and having a great time out there, you know, as a recreational sport, game, or activity, again, depending on how you engage with it. So we try to strike that balance through social media, through communications, and making sure that, you know, our audiences can uh, can be a part of that and relate to that. Yeah, I, I think that's awesome. I remember when I was a kid, uh, and we were just talking about our ages, right? So I know that I'm the oldest in the room by a little bit. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you weren't in the car. You what? I'm 40. Tie ball game. Oh, tie. I'm 41 in August. Oh, you win. Okay, I'm the second you oldest you in the room. Um, yeah, you win. You win, but you kind of lose. Um, so I'm the I'm the second oldest in the room, and I I remember I was at a very nice club when my my dad first um, got into golf. So my dad was a pretty good athlete in in multiple sports, rugby, cricket. Uh, and he decided he wanted to get into golf, and we, he started at the local club that was behind our house. And then we joined like a nicer club as as we got older. And I remember men's bar with a big pool table, a gambling machine, and like it was awesome. And I remember women's room with like one chair in it. Uh, and I remember there was a really, really, really good female player um, that played for England that couldn't play for our junior team boys only team um i also remember if i ever turned up to a golf course with a hoodie on that i might not have been allowed to play for the rest of the year like it was it was crazy so is is your your branding's obviously in in line with signs of the change in times because none of those things i don't think exist anymore at, at, at the club i'm at would you say the clubs in boston are making those same necessary transitions and, and sorry in Massachusetts and all over I would say it is it is definitely uh, starting to change and in some ways better than others it, it can be a little bit of a slow process in certain circumstances but it's something we also want to help and champion uh, we're working very hard behind the scenes right now uh, through a diversity equity and inclusion lens 
that helps support some of the, the work we've done since 2018 in making sure that golf is for anybody, that it's accessible, that it's equitable, and it, it's going to be a process. You know, you just mentioned, you know, as small as it is wearing a hoodie on the golf course, it wasn't accepted 20, 30 years ago. I mean, these barriers are breaking down. You know, there's some casualness to it. Now, there, there's a balance you need to, to strike there of keeping tradition in play, but I think we need to be flexible. We need to be nimble and open to these changes. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited about that. I think it's absolutely necessary in a lot of ways, you know, from a gender equity standpoint. Uh, a lot of those former rules and regulations and policies that you just referenced, you, you can't have that anymore. It just doesn't work for the game. It doesn't work for the society. So yeah. We're, we're, we're hopeful that we can start to work with some of our partners and the constituents in and around Massachusetts and New England to try to drive some of this change in a, in a very positive way. Awesome. And, and Kyle, I think this can extend to you as well. Um, with the change in brand and more engagement in social media, different different kinds of outreach channels, are you seeing more girls enter as juniors? Are you seeing an uptake in, in females playing? Are you seeing uh, more ethnic minorities get involved in, in the sport? Yeah, we are at First Tee. Um, so our numbers are pretty good in that regard. We've been pretty consistent the last couple of years with or about 70-30 boys and girls. Sometimes it's 28% girls, sometimes it's 32% girls, but we're, we're kind of in that zone. We're trying to improve that. I'd love to see us get closer to you know, 65-35, but, 60-40, um, but we're definitely making strides. Um, as far as uh, participation from minorities and typically underserved groups, um, we're doing a pretty good job. One thing I'd really like to point to is um, we align pretty well the makeup of our programs with the census data. So that at least tells me that as far as a baseline, we're doing a pretty good job. And when we look even closer at the kids who are participating at our various program locations around the state, we again match up pretty well with the census data from those specific communities. So for example, in Boston, at our Franklin Park location, um, looking at 2021, we were 52% white, 48% non-white, which is within a percentage or two of the census data for the city of Boston. Wow. So we're pretty proud of that. Yeah. Um, now, is there more work to be done? Of course, you know, things, uh, and, and we don't need to go down the rabbit hole necessarily, but things like the makeup of, the makeup of our waiting list tends to be a little more heavily towards the underserved, typically underserved communities. And there's a lot of reasons behind that that we're working to address. But overall, we're, we're pretty proud of our, um, of our numbers in that regard. Awesome. So I don't think you got a chance to introduce yourself, Kyle. So why don't you introduce yourself and explain a little bit about the, about the first tee? Sure thing. So <clears throat> excuse me. my name is Kyle Harris. I'm the Director of Operations for First Tee of Massachusetts. I've uh, been in this role for almost four years. Been with the First Team Network uh, since 2012, so 10 years. Um, I started as a volunteer at uh, First Team of Utah. So just a brief history on me. I, I grew up on Cape Cod, so I'm from Massachusetts. Uh, went to University of Massachusetts, um, was working in college athletics, and was really excited about other opportunities. Did not grow up playing golf, um, but had my first full-time job was at University of Georgia. So I went down there, I spent four years in that athletic department. Um, I did cross over a little bit with Matt Stafford, so I'm happy to see the success he had this year, um, as well as Georgia, of course. Uh, and then I spent 10 years in Utah, working some at University of Utah, and then I got out of college athletics, I was working in finance, but that whole time I was starting to get involved with First Tee of Utah. 
And the more involved I got, the more I got to work with kids, the more time I spent volunteering and coaching, I just was like, if I ever get a chance to do this for my real job, that would be amazing. And, um, you know, the opportunity came up here. I tell everybody I would have taken this job in, I mean, pick a place, the middle of Nebraska. I don't care. (laughs) I would have taken this job, but it was an opportunity to come back home and have an impact on my home state. And so uh, my wife and our two young boys picked up and came across the country and here we are. Very nice. And so what's the, what's the goals for the first team moving forward? And then I guess, how do Mass Golf uh, facilitate those? Uh, and how can other coaches um, or golf institutions help support such a, you know, a necessary foundation? Sure. So um, for those who are not familiar, at First Tee, our, our mission is to teach kids life skills and character values through golf. And we say it that way very intentionally. You know, our, our entire premise is to, uh, to teach kids these life skills, character values, and things that are going to help them build character and, and overcome challenges through the rest of their life. Golf is our delivery method. So I kind of tell people we're not out there necessarily trying to create the next crop of elite golfers. Sometimes that happens. But we're out there. We're trying to grow the game. We're trying to build good character. And golf is just a natural conduit to do that. I mean, so many things are our nine core values are inherent in golf. And so golf is just the perfect way to deliver all these things. Now, when I say it that way, sometimes people start to think like, oh, okay, so it's a little more like school or education. And well, again, everything that we do is through golf. So we use golf and uh, various games and drills um, intertwined with our life skills curriculum to seamlessly deliver both of those things. So we're teaching golf, we're teaching life skills. and, And again, if we're doing it right, the kids don't really even know that that's kind of what's going on. Because if we can build these games the right way, then um, then the kids are getting the life skills, they're getting those core values, and they're getting the golf development at the same time. We're, we're really working to make golf um, a safe, encouraging place for the kids to learn. And uh, and yeah, that's, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to grow this thing. So Kyle, now, I'm going to step in here and ask a question. I'm the youngest person in the room. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> and, you know, I, I'm thinking back to my high school days and, and being a, a preteen at school and not really enjoying it because, you know, the, the structure just didn't really fit. So can you talk a little bit about the structure? You talked about games. Um, can you just kind of run through what a 60-minute, you know, first tee clinic would look like? Yes, yeah, absolutely. So um, our typical class is like 90 minutes. We find 90 minutes is a really good zone where, especially with our younger kids, if we go shorter than that, we don't get enough done. If we go longer than that, we start to lose their attention. So a typical 90-minute class would be something like uh, you know, a brief welcome at the beginning, a brief introduction of some of the things that we're going to do that day, maybe what our core value of the day is. Let's just say it's respect. Um, and then we'll kind of talk them through, hey, here's the golf skills that we're going to be trying to accomplish today. And then we want to, as soon as we can, we want to get right into some kind of movement, some kind of activity. So that it's not too much just standing around talking. And so we'll do a warm up. We try to hit a few different areas like uh, strength, mobility, flexibility, things like that. Um, that First Tee has kind of laid out for us as part of our um, part of the way that we build a First Tee lesson plan. We'll try to hit a couple of those areas. 
And again, it might not be very golfy at the beginning, but it's just trying to get the kids moving, especially in our player level or beginner level classes. We may do some things at the beginning of class or even throughout the class that don't necessarily involve a golf club, but we're talking through golf concepts and trying to make it comfortable for them. Sometimes it's easier to talk to a kid who's at the very beginning of golf, trying to talk to them in the context of soccer or baseball and removing the pressure of that golf club. But anyway, so we'll, we'll do a warm up. We might get into a quick game. Um, you know, maybe we'll toss a tennis ball back and forth and then each per, you know, in a, in parallel lines. And then each kid takes two big steps back and then we toss the ball back and forth again. And then we do it again a couple times and, and kids start to think, well, what does this have to do with golf? But that can then lead us into a conversation about distance response or distance control. And how do we control distance with our putter? Well, it's through the length of our swing. And then we can talk about, you know, the context of that game that we just played, tossing the ball back and forth with how far you take your arm back and through. And then we can apply that to, okay, now we're going to go to the putting green and we're going to do some various putting games and various drills. And we're going to do these drills in the context of, distance control, right? So maybe it's a, you know, um, how many tries does it take for you to knock it inside a three foot circle from 10 feet, 20 feet, 30 feet, 40 feet. And so that'll be the golf element to it. And then intertwined in that, there'll be opportunities to identify and talk about elements of respect. So maybe as they're going through their stations or they're working with their partner, maybe every time they switch, we want them to demonstrate respect, whether that's um, introducing themselves to someone they've never met before by taking off their hat, looking them in the eye, shaking their hand, and saying their name. It's, a, it's really incredible how many kids come to our program without that basic skill of respectfully introducing themselves. And it's not just about, um, it's not just about how we respect others, it's demonstrating respect for ourselves yeah. too, right? And I don't want to go on too long, but, but just in the respect component, we talk about three elements of respect, respect for myself, respect for other people, and respect for my surroundings. So we can talk about how do I respect myself? Well, it's, you know, if I miss a putt, am I slamming my putter on the ground and cursing? Um, do I come prepared for the weather that day? Do I have the right footwear? And then it's, you know, respecting other people. That's kind of an easy one, but then it's respecting my surroundings. And then we can put that into the golf context of taking care of the golf course. How do we fix ball marks on the green? repairing divots? Um, how do we respect our equipment? And so again, that whole life skill is intertwined into golf. And so we'll get through all of our golf drills and games. And then like the last five minutes, we'll do what we call our bridge to life, which we'll say, okay, what did we learn today about golf? What did we learn today about our core value respect? And how does that core value apply outside? So Let's take it away from the golf course. What does respect look like in your life? What does it look like at school? What does it look like with your friends? What does it look like in your community? Uh, and things like that. So that's sort of a brief rundown of what a lesson looks like. Um, and it's, I mean, I could talk about it all day. <laughs> Jess, Jesse likes to say that I, that I bleed first tee, and it's true. I, I truly believe in what we do. That's awesome. I mean, we can, we can sense your, uh, your passion and your energy. It, it, it's really cool to see uh, and obviously very valuable. Um, you mentioned earlier Georgia, Matt Stafford, uh, the Rams. Do you have a like awesome success story from the first tee? You know they're all big success stories that make the press. Can you share one? Because I, I actually kind of have one from the first tee as well. Someone that that I know that went through the first tee program. But I'd love to hear 
one of yours before before I share? Sure, yeah. So I've kind of got, <laughs> I know you asked for one. I've kind of got two that are really meaningful to me. One is from when I first started out at Utah, and the other is from here. So if you'll indulge me, I'll tell Let's both go. if that's we'll okay. Let's go. We'll give you two. And All then right. we'll let so, Jason speak again at some point. <laughs> so... Um, so one of the very first kids I ever coached was a young man named Logan out in Utah um, back in 2012. He came to us as, uh, as a nine-year-old. He was so shy that I could barely get him to tell me his name or give me a high five. I mean, he had never played golf before. He was there because he, he wanted to try it. His parents wanted him to try something new. He wasn't particularly athletic. Um, he, he just wanted to be there, but you could see that it was kind of a struggle for him. So, you know, we, we immediately bonded over something. I honestly don't even remember what the initial bond was, but, um, he kept coming back to class season after season and, and I got close with him and his family. And so if we fast forward to 2018, right before I left to take this job, Logan had been in our program now for, uh, for eight years. He had moved from the player level up to the Eagle level. He was playing golf for his high school team. He, his goal was to go to college, play golf in college, and become a golf course architect. Um, he also would come back and coach our younger kids in, in the first tee, including his younger brother, who was nine years old and was starting wow. out in the program. It, just, it was just such a testament to like what the program can do and how we can empower or how we can create experiences and spaces to empower kids and and make them comfortable and allow them to be themselves but also encourage them to grow and so just the growth that we saw in logan was incredible i mean again this kid that could barely tell me his name he would like razz me when we'd go out to play together because like he he would love to give me a hard time because there's this one hole at our home course back in utah where it was a really short par four and I would always try to impress the kids by trying to drive, drive the green. Right. And I would inevitably <laughs> hit it in the, in the green side pond. And so Logan used to love to give me a hard time about that. He's like, Oh, I guess coach Kyle's making eight today. You know? And so, so that was great. And then it's just one other quick story from, from here. Um, last summer, uh, I was teaching a player level course, um, and, and helping one of our new coaches, uh, kind of learn the ropes and um, it was mostly really young kids seven seven and eight year olds mostly but we had two brothers that were 12 and 14 who came grandma had signed them up um, and you could tell right away that they were sort of put off by the fact that they were the oldest kids there by a lot um, they sort of were just going through the motions of the warm-up and not really into it but you know, I kind of encouraged them to stick with it. And, and once we got through the warm up and into some more of the golf stuff, they started to kind of get it. They started to have fun. By the end of that 90 minutes, the transformation was incredible, especially the 14 year old, the older one. He was into it to the point where he was actually helping one of the seven year olds who didn't understand the wow. game that we were playing. And I didn't really see it until it was happening. But I looked behind me and he's like helping him understand the game that we're playing and he's helping him with his putting grip. And I was blown away. So after the class was over, I just kind of followed him and his brother and the grandma out to the parking lot. Um, and as they were putting their clubs in the car, I was like, hey, guys, I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. Like the growth just that I saw today and how you really weren't into it at the beginning. And yeah, I don't think I didn't notice. And, you know, but by the end, like I saw what you were doing. And, and I just want to tell you, I'm so proud of you. 
And so, and then, you know, I said goodbye and I'll see you next week. And then a couple days later, so this is a tough story for me. So a couple days later, um, I got a phone call and it was the grandmother and she's in tears. And she, she was telling me, she's like, so my two grandsons, they're going through a really messy divorce. Dad's not really in the picture. Mom's doing the best that she can. So you have no idea what it meant to those kids and to me as their grandmother for someone like you to tell them that you were proud of them. Yeah. And, and I get goosebumps and choked yeah, up just talking too. about it. But it's just those kinds of things are the things that can come out in our program yeah. that aren't necessarily available in other programs. And I don't disparage any other programs, but like a typical you know, soccer camp or um, some other kind of, of strictly sports-based clinic without that life skills component, you don't necessarily have those opportunities for mentorship and these discussions and, and things where you're just putting kids in a position to be themselves and to grow. And, and those kinds of things are just what makes it for me. Yeah, I think we live in a world that obsesses over outcomes. And, you know, when kids sign up for tennis or golf or gymnastics at seven, eight years old, it's not about the evolution of those life skills or friendships or personality, dealing with adversity. It's about a trophy or a medal. Um, and look, there, there has to be winners or, and losers because there's winners and losers in life, but there's things at certain ages that are, are far more important than that. So um, I think it's awesome listening to you share those. Um, my story is definitely not as good as the, that one. Um, but a guy called Gavin Parker, uh, he just won a junior development coach for Virginia PGA. And because he won that, he's been asked to host a huge uh, junior development um, coach education seminar uh, in November. Uh, and his entry into golf was first tee. So... Um, African-American, didn't have the wealthiest of parents, wouldn't have normally had access to golf, came to the first tee, liked it. Because of the first tee, got a place um, at IJGA. Hank Haney did so well with golf that he went to basically a, a golf academy, progressed through this golf academy, did a PGM, um, so studied golf at university, uh, and then got into teaching uh, and now, um, at the PGA show, he was live on the actual PGA's Instagram doing the updates. Uh, he's won these awards, uh, and he, he entered through the, the first tee. And That's awesome. I, I've interviewed him before, and he always introduces himself as, yeah, I was a first tee kid. And he says it like that. I was a first tee kid, like, proud of it. Like, yeah. That's so cool. And, and, and now, yeah, and, and what he's trying to do um, for diversity, um, for empowering girls in golf. In, in fact, he says that it's not... I, I think he, do, he says he doesn't even coach golf with the kids. Just the golf club's there. But if you don't like golf, Gavin is the coach to go to. That's what he says, because it's not golf. So it, it, I probably butchered that. And if he listens to this, he'll be phone me up and he'll be like, hey, bro, you crushed that. That's not what I say at all. But I, I think the story and, and the things that can emerge from, from such a, uh, uh, an invested charity is, is awesome. Um, I love that. Can, can I just say one quick yeah, thing? Yeah. Is I, I love what you just described and how he's describing that. And so what, the way that we kind of frame it very similarly is that 
the way that we try to set up our games and drills and, and things that we're working on are that anybody can have success at it, right? So like last weekend, I was just teaching um, one of our beginner level classes at PGA Tour Superstore uh, in Braintree, part of our winter clinic series. And we were working on full swing and all we wanted the kids to do was get to a complete finish position. Belly button facing the target, hands high up by our ear, weight on our front foot. And every single kid in the class can do that. And, and so the conversation I have with them is literally, I don't care where the ball goes. I don't yeah. care if you whiff by six inches. If you can get to a full complete finish position, then you can be successful today. And so that's how we frame it. And so every single person in the class can have a successful experience that's not based on hitting the ball straight or hitting it 200 yards. Yeah. It's just, so a kid who's never touched a golf club before can have success today. Yeah. And if you frame it that way, then you take away the pressure and you can let the kid enjoy the process, getting back to exactly what you said, process versus outcome. Yeah. Right. And setting up everybody to be successful without having to be the best golfer in the class. I, I've seen videos of him, of Gavin coaching kids with autism or coaching kids that are like three, so they can barely walk. And the golf clubs are there and, and maybe the, the kid that has autism picks the ball up and just throws it at the target. And you'll see Gavin just celebrate that. Like, yeah, let's go, bro. He's not trying to get the club in his hand. He's just trying to um, create a fun environment. Because I'm very passionate. Before we even consider creating a competitor or a champion, we have to create lifelong participation in the sport. And what is more important than fun? So kids, if they have fun, they'll ask to come back. And then they'll keep coming back. And at some point, they might say, hey, you know what? I want to win. And when they say that, that's maybe where mom and dad or, or the fun coach kind of pushes them towards someone like myself or Andrew, where we will hold them to a higher standard because they've said they want to win and they've asked for it. We're not holding them to our standard. We're holding them to their standard. And then, and then from there college and beyond if it if it's correct um so so you guys are obviously in partnership jesse was this something that you put into place was it partnership before like how did that work well it's a great question and i will say too based on the age of the first t program nationally you're going to start to hear a lot more of these real life stories and outcomes like the professional you just referenced uh, and the success they're having coming full circle from being a participant to now giving back to the game or mentoring and that's why it's such a beautiful fit for mass golf because, you know, Kyle, you correct me if I'm wrong. At one time, there may have been some tagline, good golfers, better people yep. as part of the first tee. That's, that's spot on. We're trying to create good people for this, this community, but use golf as that vehicle. So uh, I think it was back in the early 2000s um, when the Massachusetts Golf Association at the time, we were involved in some junior clinics and programs, but we felt we needed to take it to the next level. We had some program locations that were working extremely well in their respective communities. And the first tee was just coming about nationally through the PGA Tour and the other national uh, governing bodies of golf. And we felt this was just a natural fit for us to really raise the bar, uh, raise the awareness in Massachusetts. And uh, I think 25 years later, you know, it's been extremely successful, not only nationally, but here. And this year we've been in a bit of a growth spurt. We're adding three program locations. I think, which gets us up to about 10 across the state. So a pretty unique opportunity for us. Awesome. Well, hopefully 
core can help with that. A few logistical issues, but we're, I think we have to look for reasons to do this, not reasons to not do it. That's what I keep saying. So we're going to find ways to do this. Just don't quite, quite know what it will look like yet. Um, Jesse, I want to come back to you. What does 2022 slash maybe even 2023 look like for Mass Golf? Is there anything uh, in the pipeline that's top secret that you want to reveal right now? <laughs> uh, and if not, if not, like what, what's, what's coming? What are you excited about for the upcoming season and, and beyond? Yeah, I, I think generally the continuation of the momentum that this industry is seeing. Um, 2020, you know, rocked the boat at first, but we all seem wow, to have benefited yeah. Uh, in the latter part of that year, 2021 was a continuation. And I think 2022, given the way this, this world has uh, evolved, uh, more golfers have opportunities to play the game, to engage with the game. I think they're becoming more nimble and flexible in how they might engage with the game. If it's nine holes before work, after work, getting their kids, their spouses, friends involved. So we, we saw an extreme boost last year for the first time in our membership ranks. Um, we jumped about 12% uh, throughout the state, which you know I know has happened in similar pockets around the country, but we wanna ride that momentum. We wanna continue to, to push this, uh, to create programming, to in increase awareness, increase the community, and engage with golfers. Um, through the National Golf Foundation, we're of, of the understanding that there's about 600,000 golfers within Massachusetts. So. We've got some work to do to get them into the fold and figure out what's going to help move the needle for those individuals that aren't part of mass golf. Is it simply being a fan of the game and wanting to engage? Is it wanting to have additional access where they may not have those opportunities on a daily basis? Is it participating in, a, in an organized event, outing, program, seminar? So our team is, uh, is really encouraged by the signs. Uh, we've got some strategic planning objectives that are very much in the works and, and fluid at the moment. Um, I mentioned one earlier through the growth of the first T programs, we were intentional about getting our, our program locations up to that number of 10, making sure we're hitting the entire state of Massachusetts. And, and just to, to dive on that a little bit further, we're one of about five state associations that has the first T under their umbrella. We're very fortunate to be in that position. But we also are, are one of only a few that have the whole state covered. Most first tee chapters are very much community or city based where we have the luxury to be, you know, on the Cape, North Shore, Boston, all the way out to, wow. to Western Mass. So it's exciting for us and it, pre it presents a ton of opportunity for our clubs and for, for new and, and future golfers. I, I think the amazing thing about being sat here is um, I can tell you guys both love what you do. Right, the energy in the room is positive. I I took this role at, at core, um, and I love it. Getting to influence these 60, 70, 80 kids um, in a long-term model where we can do things very, very similar to what you're saying, Kyle, you do at the first tee. We can impact them as, as people, um, not just as golfers. Um, it, it, it really excites me. So I would love to know from each of you, uh, and this will be the last question. What do you love most about your job or what are you most excited about for this year? Um, if each of you go. Yeah. And also when you finish, just let the listeners know where they can find information about you. Uh, I think, Jesse, it's great to 
plug your social media like it's awesome. And, and Kyle, for you, if there's any coaches listening that want to get involved. Um, so what do you love about your job? And then a little bit about where uh, the listeners can, can reach out to you. Absolutely. Thank you for that. Let me first off clarify. I think Kyle mentioned earlier that he bleeds the first tee or first tee. <laughs> he actually just oozes first tee constantly. You don't have to cut that's, it, that's, right? No, just exactly. Just, already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, again, thank you. Thank you for that. And, and for me, um, this has been the only job I've had since college. Like I said, I was a, a boat ride intern through the USGA three summers with the organization, kind of moving through the channels. Um, what's kept me around is no doubt the people. You know, not just the staff here, but um, our volunteer network. We've got over 300 volunteers across the state, whether, you know, they support the first tee program uh, as coaches or maybe they're rules officials or tournament officials or course raiders. Um, but the people are really what, what keep me engaged and seeing how this community has evolved uh, for these last 15 years. You know, I like to say we used to be a little bit of a, a mom and pop type of organization, you know, very small very small staff, um, volunteer driven, but with technology, with advancements, with social media, like you mentioned before, we've got a tremendous opportunity to grow, um, to grow our community, to engage with our community more, more often than, than we have. And um, I think that's, that's what sets us up for success long-term. So um, I, I guess I'll just close before I turn it to Kyle. Uh, I can be reached anytime, you know, through our website, massgolf.org. And uh, our social media handles at Play Mass Golf. So, Kyle, how about you? Yeah, what I love most, um, you know, there's there's two facets to it that I call our goosebump moments, right? So, one of them is kind of the life skills component. Those two stories that I just told, or you know, when when we have a parent come up and say, I don't know what you guys are doing, but my comments from my kids' teachers are like so much better. He's not as disruptive in class or, you know, she, she just loves first tee because she's so focused or she loves coming here, you know, and she talks about it at home or whatever the case is hearing the, the, the life skill side of it is awesome. But then there's also those moments, especially working with our, our beginners when they hit the sweet spot for the first time and they get that smile and we all know that and everybody in the room just smiled so i know that you guys know what that feeling I, I is can't like i remember what that's like that's what i was trying to think back <laughs> well the look on the kid's face right you know that when they hit the sweet spot for the first time they get that little smile and it's like that those are the goosebump moments for me right that when we have the when you see the kids grow and improve as people and then there's obviously the, the golf skill and improvement, you know, that look when they hit the sweet spot for the first time or they make the first birdie or whatever that is. Those are the things that I remember. Those are, those are the stories that I tell, and that's what keeps me coming back. Um, I love coaching, but I also love what I'm doing in this role now, which I don't coach as much as I used to, but I'm really coaching our chapter, if you will. Like, I coach our coaches. I train our coaches. I lead the chapter. Um, I advocate for the chapter. And so it's, you know, what brought me in was the coaching component, but now it's just more about growing the chapter, coaching the chapter, growing the game, things like that. I just, I love being out in the game. I came to the game late and I wish I had come to it so much earlier. Um, as far as where to find us. So you can find us online at firstteamass.org. Um, our social media, we're primarily on Facebook and Instagram. It's, um, the handle is at first T mass. 
Make sure you get both T's in there. Um, and we're trying to be more active on those. Our program manager, Allie, has, has done a great job there. Um, Jesse mentioned expansion. You know, right now we're at seven program locations and we're targeting three more uh, in 22 to potentially start programming as soon as summer. Um, and those would put us in some spaces that we're not currently in, in uh, North Shore and the Worcester area. Uh, and then we're adding uh, a second location out in the Springfield market. So we're very excited about that. If there are coaches that are potentially interested in, in joining our program, we may be looking for uh, some additional coaches to join our staff, um, whether it's in a league capacity, assistant capacity, volunteer capacity. So uh, yeah, please feel free to reach out to me. My contact information is on the website, or you can reach out through social. Perfect. Gentlemen, I had no idea what we were going to talk about when I turned up. Um, but phenomenal. It's put a smile on my face for the for the rest of the day. So uh, appreciate your time. I uh, wish you guys all the best for the, the season and beyond. And I look forward to seeing you out there at first tee coaching events and, and mass events stomping the, uh, stomping the fairways. Please do. Yeah. Thank you very much. We look forward to it as well. And guys, thank you. Thank you for all you do thank you. in supporting the game, developing the game, because it helps everyone who's a part of it. So thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to the Core Performance Podcast, your one-stop shop for getting to the core of all things golf and human performance. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ian and Andrew, check us out on Instagram at Core Academy. We'll see you next time.